we have been in the study of the person of the gospel for a long time, and we've really come into the person of the covenant, that the covenant of God in the new covenant is a person. And just to get our minds just back in that, Israel lived unto God according to a word. And that word was the law that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. We live unto God in a word. And that word is Christ. You could say he was given the baptism of John, maybe. You could say he was given at the Mount of Transfiguration. But really, he was given to us by the Spirit of the living God. That's ultimately how he was given. And we got into Isaiah 42, been there for a few weeks, and John 15 as our primary text. We'll probably circle back into John 15 in the coming weeks, so stay familiar with John 15. And last week in Isaiah 42, we looked at the thought, the isles shall wait for his law. And we also looked at the thought, that Zion, a law in Isaiah 2, was coming from Zion. And the law coming from Zion, the law that was coming from the servant declared in Isaiah 42, is, when I say is not the law of Moses, I, I, I may should say that is the fulfillment, or he is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. He is who the law of Moses declared. So we got into Romans 10, and we're going to pick back up in Romans 10 for a moment, and then we're going to move on. But I really want us to hear this, because I, I think we have a small definition sometimes to what Romans 10 is really saying because it's been taught, you know, as the Roman road, it's the way of salvation, and all that's good and all that's true. Romans 10 is, to me, the way of salvation. But I, I believe when we use the word salvation, many times we have a small perception of salvation. I think our idea of salvation can be very, very small. Well, I'm saved. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. Verse 13, Romans 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I said last week in verse 18, it says, But I say, have they not all heard? their sound went into all the world. And then if you back up in this chapter, it says in verse 
8. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay. And a lot has been made from this that we are saved by confessing with her mouth and believing in her heart. And to me, this is the fulfillment of the word declared, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We confess with her mouth and we believe in her heart that Jesus died and rose again. I said last week, I believe that was the law or at least part of the law coming from Zion. The word saved is the big deal. The word saved is sozo. And, it, and I can go into the definition of sozo, and it means to deliver, it means to save, it means to heal. And it's used in multiple applications in the scripture. And I want to point out at least one, if not a couple of those applications. But one in particular, and uh, you may have heard me share this before, and if you have, you'll get to hear it again. In Luke's gospel, there, verse, I'm telling you the verse and not the chapter. That may be a problem, right? Chapter 8, verse 43. It says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, could neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. Well, this word whole is a big deal. Thy faith have, have sozoed thee, saved thee. Now, in this term of, in this usage of the word, she was healed. She was healed with an issue of blood of 12 years. Now, also in the Jewish law, she was an unclean woman because of her issue of blood. If you go back and you study the law, you would find out she was unclean. And 
So she had lived in that condition, not only having the issue of blood, but also in a condition of condemnation for that period of time. Now, the story doesn't give us everything about the woman. But what I want you to see here, and it's the same word is used again with Jairus' daughter, which is in this story. Sozo is used here for her healing as well. She changed from one state of being to another. That's what I want us to see. Saved is not just speaking of what we're delivered from, but is speaking unto what we come to. So so when Jesus saved them, when they were made whole, they literally change from one state of being to another state of being. They were no longer in the condition they were in. This woman was no longer in the condition. So when I go and read, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, I want us to see a greater picture of that because the saving isn't just from what we're saved from but it's what we're saved into so we call on the name of the lord and we are saved okay and that's and that's really what we're learning probably our entire christian life is our salvation is this encounter with God that we had in Christ in new birth. We're growing up into him who is our salvation in all things. So he's our salvation. So he's the condition that we move into. We move from a condition of Adam to a condition of Christ. That's salvation. We were in Adam. We're in Christ. Now, in John 3, this wasn't the order of my notes, but that's the order it's coming now. <laughs> John 3, one of the most famous scriptures in the bible and one that i like to say a lot of people know verse 16 but they don't necessarily know 15 or 17 but john 3 12 jesus says if i have told you earthly things and you believe not how shall you believe if i tell you heavenly things and no man have ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through, that the world through him might be saved. Okay? Now how we're saved here, this is, this is kind of getting into saved. How are we saved? How does the Bible teach that you and I are saved? Well, with confession, but, uh, but by which we have declared, but by what does God save us? Okay. How, what, by what does he save us? I'm going to show you what the scripture says here in a moment. But this everlasting life shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Okay. This is what I'm after is this everlasting life, this perpetual life. That word everlasting is, and I probably can't pronounce it, but it's 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 a, a, a on or something to that, a, anos, something to that nature. Probably Brother Jimmy can tell us here in a little bit. But that is, it means perpetual, continual life. God doesn't want us perishing. Now, now, the way we've taught this in the Christian church is that we perish when we die. Well, I'm going to tell you, you are perishing before, you, if you're in Adam, you're perishing before you die. You're in a perishing state of being. Okay. If I'm in the Adamic man, if I've not been born of spirit, I'm perishing. Even when I'm walking here breathing oxygen, I'm perishing because I'm living in sin. I'm, if I want to call it living, I'm living in death. I'm existing in death. Okay? That's perishing. So Jesus comes along and says, if you believe on me, you will not be perishing, but you will have perpetual, everlasting life. Now, I want this to really hit us. Now, flip with me to Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. In verse 8, but God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. Here's that word sozo again, by his life. Now, listen this close. God commends his love toward us while we were sinners. We were in that state of being as a sinner. Christ died for us, okay? And we looked at this last week, the last couple of weeks in a lot of detail. 
He took upon him the sin of the world. He died for us. He was bruised for us. By his stripes, we were healed. Now, much more than that, we're saved from wrath through him. And then he goes on and says, we're saved, how? By his life. So his life is eternal life. His life is perpetual life. See, it's his life in you that overcomes the world. So now when I look at this thought, if I confess with my heart or believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, I shall be saved. How I'm saved is his life comes into me. And now that life that enters me is my salvation. That is my salvation. So this eternal life that we have is Christ himself. Now, if you ask me, well, Brother Wayne, do you believe we'll live forever? Sure I do, honey. But the life, the quality of life that God has given us is so far above the natural life, what we perceive as life. That's what I'm trying to say. The quality of eternal life is the life of Christ. That's the quality. We are saved by his life. See, see, when I look at the scripture in Ephesians 2, if I think of it this way, by grace we are saved. It is the gift of God. And a lot of people talk about grace, and they talk about grace on the, the deaf side of Jesus, and I believe that. So I'm not speaking against it. But John declared grace of his fullness we've received, and grace upon grace. And I love the Strong's Dictionary definition of grace because it's the divine influence upon the heart and the evidence of that influence in the life. I probably didn't quote it exactly right, but, but the influence upon the heart is Christ. And he becomes the evidence in us as he's known. That's eternal life. That's the quality of life that we have right now in these physical bodies. That's the quality of life we have eternally. That is our life. See, see, we're programmed to think of eternal life as just me and you living a long time. And I've said this. I've said to people, well, if I'm not changed inside and I get a new body and I live forever, like a lot of people teach, but inside I'm not changed. I don't have a new heart and I don't have a new mind, but I got a new body. Is that heaven or hell? See, because I've, I've seen my old mind, right? 
You may not have seen your old mind, but I have. <laughs> and I like the mind of Christ way better than I like my mind. I'm being honest. I like what I'm seeing in him way better than I do in me. So I rest in him. He's my life. So now the perpetual life that I want to come out of my body is him. That's the desire in my heart is that Christ would be manifest in the earth, individually in me and corporately in the church. But there's an individual dealing of Christ that's going on in me and you. It's individual. And it's corporate. Okay? But he deals with us individually with himself. See, he deals with us with himself. He measures himself out to us. And I'm real glad. So when I look at scriptures, I'm saved by grace. I'm looking at his life because I see that salvation is his life in me. And the more of his life in me I know, the more salvation I know, and the more salvation I'll potentially bear because I know him. Right? And see, see, you may you may think this sounds strange. We'll turn to John 17. It ain't real strange. Jesus told us this. He says in John 17, I believe verse 3 is what I want. I'm in the wrong book, but I will get there. He says, and this is life eternal, Zoe life, perpetually, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That word and can be interpreted and. If you look it up, it can be interpreted even. It can be interpreted likewise, yet. So, so what I would say here, the way you know the only true God is through Jesus Christ that was sent. Now, did the disciples who walked with Jesus just automatically, they walked with Jesus in the flesh. Did they automatically walk into this life where they were in the flesh? No. No. In John's gospel, in another place, Jesus said to them, he said, he that believeth on me, here's that word believe again, out of his belly, out of his inner parts, shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit, 
that had not been given, the reason the Spirit had not been given was because Jesus had not been glorified. That's what Jesus said, or the Bible says. And I believe Jesus is really the author of the Bible, so I, I can say that's what Jesus said. So, so he hadn't been glorified, so the Spirit hadn't been given. So the Spirit is given that we walk in this life. And how I enter this life is through the law of faith. I don't enter this life through the law of works. I enter this life through faith, believing on him that God have sent. And I continue to receive of him through, I believe, through that same law of faith. As, as he is made known to me, I continue to receive him. See, Jesus being made known to me is not a one-time event. Well, I know Jesus. He, I, I was born again 30 years ago. Well, good. That was the starting place. I was filled with the Holy Ghost 25 years ago. I'm glad you were, and everybody should be. But these are grounds of starting that Christ would be revealed in you perpetually. And in Revelation chapter 1, it deals with his perpetual coming. Flip over to Revelation chapter 1. It speaks of him that was and is and is to come. And I know what people have done with that. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, verse 8, which is, which was, which is to come. And, and if, when you look at the definition, the one being and the one that was and the one coming, that is the eternal one. He's ever coming. So when I receive the Lord, Jesus, I have started on a journey with one that's going to ever come. See, we've, we've made it events of comings. You know, the church is, has moved it into a first coming and a second coming. But he comes back on the day of Pentecost. He come back to the disciples after his resurrection. He come as a babe in a manger. He come to me and you. Do you know everyone that receives the Lord that I know that have a real born-again experience with Christ, with God, They've told me Jesus came into my heart. They know him by name. They know who he, who he is. Now then they might get taught all these things about God afterwards and find a little bit different, different definition, but the immediate identification of the heart is Christ, Jesus, came into me. He came into me so that I can know him. 
because salvation is him living in me. See, this is the law of the spirit of life is Christ in you. That's what set me free from the law of sin and death is he lives in me. His life, and, and I believe this so powerfully myself, I believe this, some people may not, but I believe that his life can overcome all sin in the earth. I believe his life is filled with divine nature, divine character. And that divine nature and divine character of him fills us. That's what I believe. His divine nature, his divine character, his person fills us that we overcome. I believe sin in the flesh. Now, some people don't. I do. I believe you can. Because I believe he's your life. Okay, that's me. And I and I'm a, and if the Lord corrects me, I'll accept correction. I'm uh, I will accept the correction of the Lord. I want the correction of God. Now I know John says if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I believe grace of God. I'm a grace preacher. If you ask me what I am, I'm a, I'm a grace preacher. By grace we are saved. But I believe grace is His life in us. And by faith, we are receiving his life. And, and like I said, I don't believe that's a one-time event. That's as we eat his flesh and we drink his blood. As we pull this word together, this word that he is, he said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you have my life in you. I'm in you and you're in me. So as I eat him by the Spirit of God. I eat his flesh and drink his blood. And I can only do that by the Spirit of God. Then he's in me and I'm in him to bring forth his divine nature, his fruit. That's what he says in John 15. I didn't think I was going to get there tonight, but I'm there. That they may bear forth fruit. And I can't bear forth fruit Unless I have this life, it's impossible. People that are telling you you can bear the fruit of God without his life, they are lying to you. Only his life has this fruit. We saw what Adam's life had. Did we not? I saw the fruit of Adam. Because I was born in it. But as being a born again, being filled with the spirit of him that I'm born of, I have his life living in me that the fruit of his life can come forth out of me through the power of him. Glory to God. And how do we get that? What Jesus said to knowing. <laughs> eat my flesh and how do I know it? I eat his flesh and drink his blood. I gather with the body of Christ. I spend time with the Lord. 
That's how I know the Lord. If if I'm going to know Brother Jimmy Lewis, what am I going to do? I'm going to spend time with him. Well, if I'm going to know the Lord, I'm going to spend time with him. That's a time of gathering. That's, that's just one-on-one time. Now, we have this corporate time that we come together, assembling together as the church, as the body of Christ that we are. But we have this time that we commune with God. Just you and I. Right? And then we express that corporately to one another. That communion with the Lord, we express corporately to one another when we gather together, right? Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Well, there was one more scripture I'll quote two. And I'll read one. Maybe I'll read both of them, but uh, uh, Hebrews 10 and 2 Corinthians 3. God says in Hebrews 10, says it also, I believe, in Hebrews 8. After those days, let's, let's just read it, Hebrews 10. He's going to put his law, the law coming from Zion. I believe whosoever call upon the Lord shall be saved. And I'm concentrating on the saved side of it because we're saved by his life. For by one offering he have perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, this holy life, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. The new and living way is Christ in you, which he have consecrated for us dedicated for us, inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So he's given us this life, and we are receiving this life. We believe this. God's given us this life. Now, turn with me 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us. Now catch this word, manifestly declared. When he is manifested, you shall be manifested with him in glory. So Paul says here, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly or soft tables of the heart. So were the epistle of Christ, were written, the Word who is Christ, the law of spirit and life. He that hath the Son have life. The law of life is written in my heart. Not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. So these hearts 
that couldn't bear God on their own have the living Christ written in them. Hallelujah. The word of covenant not written on tables of stone like in the old, but on the soft table of your heart. I'll give you a new heart. A new spirit will I put in you, my spirit. He says in Ezekiel, I will put in you. Why is he putting his spirit in us? To write the word. To write the covenant of God. Upon the tables of our heart that the divine life, the divine nature, the divine person of Christ be known in you and me. That's why this can't be reduced to religion or statements of faith. Well, I believe this and I believe that. Okay, that's good. James says the devils believe there's a God. <laughs> so we can't reduce him to statements of faith. He is made known in our hearts by the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's the only way he's made known in our hearts. Is God revealing his word, his son, in you and me. And that word, that's how we all speak the same thing. Is when he's revealed because we speak him. That doesn't mean we say all the same words. But we speak out of him. We speak out of him that's made known. We speak out of him that's revealed. We declare him. We become epistles of Christ. Written word. Clothed upon. With him. See, that's the desire in each one of us. And I wanted to say this, so I got to get it said and stop. This perpetual life. See, Paul says not to be unclothed, but to be clothed upon. How many here besides me have desired it? Because I've tasted this glorious life of Christ. How many has desired that glorious life to be perpetual? Oh, yes. Continuous. That's what Paul's talking about, being clothed upon with him. Folks, this is the gospel. He and you and you and him. This is eternal life that has come and made its dwelling in us. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that this life would be known in all the earth through the church. That is his body, the fullness of him, the completion of him, what he completed, a body filled up with himself. Glory to the Lamb of the living God. Malamoshikalaboho.
Hallelujah to the Lord who is our life. I'm going to stop right here. I probably could preach all night tonight. I won't. I'm going to stop right here. And I'll start, uh, Brother Jimmy Lewis, I think he can define that word for us or give it the right pronunciation. So let's start with him.